0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Be Entrepreneur, the podcast about what it's like to bootstrap a company. Today we have another interview, a great one, with uh, Giordano. Hey Giordano, how are you? I'm good, thanks Tiago. Thanks for having me. Giordano is the founder of The Juice Media, a YouTube channel that started a few years ago with a program called The Rep News that got a very interesting success and a couple of years ago they released a new set of videos called the uh, honest government ads they are satires that cover multiple political issues and uh, human issues really like climate change and that's how I find out about uh, Giordano and the juice media with a video I, I believe it's called net zero by 2050 a very interesting satire about uh, what our politicians are actually not doing to reach the goal of net zero in 2050 and I I got completely hooked, and I've watched many, many of the Juice Media videos. And uh, these honest government ads had brought a new degree of success, right, jordan How many followers do you have now on YouTube? Uh, about eight hundred thousand. Yeah. Wow, eight hundred thousand. Yeah. So close to to a million. Yeah, so we're it's, getting there. It's definitely a huge <laughs> success. <laughs> yeah, Jordan, I, w- I would start by asking you to, in your own words, introduce yourself. Uh, to the listeners. Who is Giordano?
1: Well, hey, everyone. I'm uh, Giordano. uh, I live in Melbourne in Australia, so opposite side of the world to Tiago. And, um, yeah, wherever (laughs) you are, I hope this finds you well and your families. We're living in crazy times. It's a crazy time to be alive, but also a very exciting time to be alive. So I just want to say hi to everyone in these crazy times. And, um, yeah, I um, decided about... What is about five years ago? I was working as an academic at, uh, at the University of Melbourne, and uh, I had been doing a YouTube show on the side uh, uh, called Rap News, which um, which was on the YouTube channel that Tiago mentioned, the Juice Media, and um, and that collaboration, that, which was wonderful and and very productive, came to an end. Run about two thousand fifteen and so um, I had a choice. I really enjoyed producing online content, but I had a choice whether to try and do keep doing that or whether to keep working in the academic world, um, as a historian, which is what I trained to do. I did a PhD in history, um, history mainly focused on settler colonialism, British 19th century, British settler colonialism. So I was looking at the colonization of, um, uh, um, of lands in South Africa and, uh, and Australia under the British empire. And that was really what I trained for. And, um, but on the side, when YouTube came along in 2005, I was just Im- immediately captured by this world. And I'm, I always say that, you know, I had an education from university, but then I also had an education from YouTube and I learned so yes, much
0: same, uh, yeah, from, uh,
1: you know, from, especially from the early days when there was a bit of a wild West, you could just find a lot of yeah. weird stuff. Um, you know, a lot of, um, Uh, comedy shows that had been re-uploaded. So I learned so much from comedians like George Carlin and Bill Hicks, which I'd never heard about because that's just, you know, before YouTube it was kind of like a very different internet really. Uh, And all of a sudden I started uh, learning a lot and that was really a formative time. It was probably in my early 30s, actually late 20s. And then in my early 30s I loved this medium so much and I thought... Shit, you know, I'm I'm alive at the birth at the time that this new uh, community and this new um, channel of information was coming to light. It feels crazy to keep working, um, you know, in in a field that's that old, like an old fashioned sort of. You know, I think academia is very important, and there's a lot of important things that happen there, and it's you know we definitely need it. But I was very excited about being involved in what was the new emerging. Uh, culture, which was, you know, which came from YouTube and it was a very exciting mm. time. And so I made the decision to, uh, the slightly crazy decision to um, to not pursue academic work and to put all of my time and effort into creating a YouTube channel um, that could be a full-time job. Um, yeah, I didn't want to do it as a hobby. I wanted it to be like my my thing you know i wanted it to be my life's right. work yeah. and so yeah that's what happened uh, and and the, the show that we created that that um that that sort of made that come about was called honest government ads
0: so let let's go back to the decision of working in academia and and in particular in history why why are you interested in that topic
1: you know that's a very good question. I actually didn't realize. <laughs> I didn't realize why I was interested in it until after I had done my PhD. I'm, you know, sometimes you, I, as, a, as a, you know, when I finished school, I, I had a lot of different interests, but I wasn't, I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do. So I, I did a, an arts degree at university, which is what a lot of people who don't know exactly what they want <laughs> to do, uh, do. Uh, and by arts, I mean humanities um so not right, fine right. arts, but um you know history psychology philosophy um uh english uh literature you know all of those kind of things politics also um all kind of fitted into that sort of category and um and I started studying i was interested in ancient history and medieval history, and then eventually I started becoming interested in more modern history um and I don't know, it was just something that uh, I became really interested in. Specifically, I was interested in a very specific idea, which was um, time, you know, the the concept of time and how yeah. um, how it is that the whole world today um, agrees to work according to the clock. You know, there are not many things that everyone on, on the planet um uh, agrees on but we all seem to agree on time you know um you, you even wrote a book about it right yeah i did i ended up well yeah. this is yeah this is this became an obsession uh i was obsessed with the idea of why is it you know we can have different religions languages uh you know races uh genders everything can be it's different so and everything yeah. is kind of moving <laughs> into diversity and 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 that kind of uh direction but time was this real kind of like uh, example of, um, almost taken for granted hegemony, something you don't even question, you know, and I was yeah. really interested in the history of how that came about. So I began researching that.
0: Is there even another option? I don't know. Like it's such an interesting question. I never questioned it, right? Yeah. You need to have some way to measure the time, no? Is there some way to measure how long you worked, how long you sleep? Like, is there even another way to, you know, conduct your life? Without having uh, the clock,
1: well, n- not in this culture that we inhabit. But if this is why the the this question about how how did this all come about is intrinsically connected to European colonization, because the the the, un- the understanding and the culture of time that we have isn't isn't natural. It's a product of Western European culture, capitalist culture, and it's all tied to the demands of industry and the industrial revolution, you know, if you want workers to work in, if you want workers in Germany to be producing textiles and export them to Lisbon so that they can be taken out on a ship to go to London and then they go on a train, everything has to be coordinated with timetables and clocks. Um, so if you want right, uh, right. a global uh, industry and, 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 uh, and synchronization, you have to have a common understanding of time. Yeah. But of course, there are many different ways of 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 um, living uh, under different time cultures, and these are the time cultures, you know, of the Aboriginal people of of Australia, or the, or the Kalahari uh, San people of Southern Africa, or the the Hopi people in the you know in Native America, and all of these calendars, which are very much tied to local seasons, are all different, you know, and they're all very much tied to nature, and and also to ritual, you know, right. and all of these had to be had to be disempowered and had to be, um, uh, had to be repressed in order for colonization to take place. In order for right. your Aboriginal uh, person to become a worker, they had to adopt the clock and the calendar and the seven-day week. So there was a process of colonization, which was violent. You know, So the, the reason that we all live by the clock today isn't by choice. A lot of it is through coercion and through colonization. And even today, there's a lot of resistance to it. You know, if you, depending on who you are and where you are, you can find a lot of places that still disobey and, mm-hmm. and, and, and resist the, the power of the of the clock. Um, the clock. So that's what this obsession of mine was about. And I ended up writing a PhD about it. And that's then a so book. Uh, <laughs> so I spent about 10 years researching this particular question of history. And when I finished the PhD, I kind of went, what the fuck have I done with my life? You know, like I've spent a lot of time (laughs) writing about this and I'm really glad that I did. Yeah, that's right. Um, And it was really a little while after I spent, I think the couple of years after my PhD, I spent quite a lot of time thinking I'd made a terrible decision. And I think this is actually something that a lot of people who... Uh, do PhDs uh, you know who people who kind of (laughs) finish school go to uni then they um, then they they study and they don't take a break they don't travel that you know I was very much like oh I'm just going to do this you know and uh, I think sometimes if you do that you can kind of finish a PhD and then you go now what you know yeah and um, and it's kind
0: of brutal too right Uh, so my girlfriend she also did a PhD mm -hmm. and uh, it's I I, know obviously I, I I met a lot of of her friends that were also doing the PhD now. Now now it's in biology. Now she's actually uh, working in the industry, as they call. Uh, but it's it's definitely a very hard process, especially, and I guess uh, we, we can also talk a little bit about this, is how the whole academia is constructed, right? You, you need to make and write papers so that you get the, the best scholarships. And uh, and then these papers are always written in in the way that only academics can access and can read. So it's really hard. For instance, every time she would explain to me your thesis, I would it would be really hard for me to understand uh, because there's this yeah. like this particular language on how um, science is written. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. and I when I was doing a little research about uh, yourself, I know that this is also one of the reasons why you moved to YouTube, right? Because you wanted to make this your research more uh, accessible to everyone yeah. right
1: yeah yeah absolutely i i felt i you know we live in a in a time of like i said at the start it's it's pretty crazy time to be alive it's exciting but we're also living in very very um the weight of history on us right now is so heavy, and you know, as a historian, I became really aware of this mm. interesting idea that we um, it's history isn't something that we just study; it's something that happened in the past. It's happening right now. We are writing history, True. and you know, we I, I've always had this sort of saying, which was a bit of an epiphany for me. Um, and it's really when I realized why I was glad that I'd studied history, and uh, it's a little um saying that that we have at the Juice Media that I often invoke, which is history is happening. In other words, yeah. we are living through history. The, the choices that we make right now will be written about in the history books of the future. So yeah. what is the history that we want to write? Um, and I, I don't know, it seems almost almost common sense, but it, it was something that I really kind of just hit me like a ton of bricks. And then I went, fuck, I did a PhD in history. Actually, this is really handy because I really, I, I really want to try and channel that And um, But the importance of the time that we live in, like you can go, oh, okay, great. Oh, I'll go and write a book about that or I'll write an article about it. But we live in such urgent times. The clock is ticking. I mean, the climate and uh, emergency is is one clock that's ticking. The biodiversity and environmental uh, extinction crisis that's happening is another clock that's ticking. Um, we We have so many dire problems that are coming to a head. There isn't really time to... You know, engage at such a glacial pace, which you know, if you pub, try and publish an article, it can be a year before you get your uh, before you get some of the feedback back. It can be two years before it gets published. Books take a long time to 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 publish. I've published two, and I, I know you know that it's you know it's it's mm-hmm. it's hard. Like you know, anyway, if that was the only way of communicating, sure, I would do it that way. But it seemed crazy. Like here we have this medium, as I said which is so instantaneous, it's such a direct connection. And this is where so many young people, not only young people, but especially young people are going to for now for information. So it just made sense to me, like if I want to be useful in the world, if I want to do something that really has a lot of impact, this is where I should put my energy. Um, And so it felt like a really sensible decision from that regard mm-hmm. not so much from a career regard because like who, who makes money out of making youtube okay now it's kind of like now, oh well, it's, now yeah, know, no yeah it's funny because then, uh, <laughs> i don't know if,
0: if your kids also tell you this but a lot of kids now already aspire to be youtubers as a profession <laughs> yeah you know that's before right, it was yeah. football players or yeah. whatever astronauts now a lot of people say like i want to be a youtuber <laughs> that's right so it, yeah. we're writing history as you say like uh, it may be th- in in the future in the history books, it will be written that YouTube was created in, what, 2000 and something. And, uh, you know, this will be part of the history for sure. That's a very interesting uh, interesting thought. Yeah. Tell me about um, your book. So you, you wrote uh, two books, right? Um, the, the first one is the one related to time. How How is the, the... Because I guess this is already a kind of a bootstrapping project, an entrepreneurial project. You're writing a book you are expecting to get uh, people to buy it and, and to get paid how was the the whole process was it profitable uh, or not so much
1: no i i didn't expect to get paid um, actually i mean there's an interesting story there but no i didn't i didn't write the book uh, um, as a as a as a way of earning money mm. i never expected to get anything from it as it turns out i got a lot more than i thought i would um, but, you know, the reason for that um, is that when I signed the when – I, when, I, when I received the contract from the publisher, um, they gave me um, – the contract said, we'll pay you a 250 pounds, British pounds, check um, for, the, for the book, but you hand over the copyright to us, you know, so you don't get any royalties going forward. And I wrote back and I said, um, yeah, I don't like that. I would rather have the royalties. And they said, sure, we, we're happy to do that. You can have the standard 5% royalties, but just to let you know – you probably won't earn as much from the royalties as you do from this check, you know, so we encourage you to take it. Wait, the, uh, because the check was
0: two hundred and fifty pounds.
1: Pounds, yeah, yeah. That was it. <laughs> yeah. But you have to understand Okay, so you have to understand that it's a privilege to be published by a good publisher. So an academic, mm. a young academic, I was twenty I can't remember now, maybe 27 or 28, uh, who has never published anything, who has just finished their PhD, sometimes people pay to have their book published, their first book published, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so to actually have your book published um, is is uh, without having to pay is is already a win. If the publisher is a good publisher, and this this uh, was a good publisher, Manchester University Press, a very good, reputable publisher, um, that's a double win. Um, and then they if they give you £250, it's like, wow, you've really scored. And so everyone just takes that because it's like, sure, you know, that's fine. And and a lot of, a lot of these books are very academic books. They don't tend to sell a lot. Usually they do one print run and that's it, you know, and, and, and and, and that's it. But I didn't care yeah. about that. I was like, no, no, I'm working really hard on this book too. Cause I, after I finished the PhD, I really went and researched more and I perfected and I improved it. And I was like, I can't do this work if I don't feel like I'm going to be connected to it. I want to know that right. the more work I put into it now, the better it is the more I'm going to be rewarded. Not that not that money was the issue, but it just felt like something that connected me to the book. If it right. did badly, that's that's okay. But if it did well, I would be like, great, you know? And, mm-hmm. and funnily enough, um it did it did much better than than expected. And I even now um I get a yearly royalty check of at least 120, 150 pounds. And that's nice. for the last 10 years, you know? So <laughs> so um I I ended up making at least Five times, I don't know. I haven't done the math, but I ended up earning uh, significantly more than if I'd accepted that check. So, but it wasn't a money-making thing. It, it was just, right. I think, just I'm only mentioning it because um, I think as authors, um, especially academic authors, um, sometimes we we don't get paid anything, and so I was I encourage people to just go for the royalty, even if it doesn't add up too much. If you don't know, if there's no surety, it just connects you to your work, and I think that that actually makes you do better work.
0: You're doing this book on the side, right? Uh, I mean, you had your, uh, your job, um, maybe a postdoc, a gig, after you finish your doctorship and then uh, you're doing the, the, the book on the side, right? It's, it's not part of your, of your job, or was it? You,
1: uh, Tiago, you um, think too highly of me. I, when I finished <laughs> my PhD, I had no job, I had no postdoc. Um, like I said, I really didn't know what I was going to do. I did odd right. jobs. I was doing manual labor. I was painting houses. Mm. I was digging trenches. I was working, um, you know, whatever jobs I could do. I was doing a bit of translation, a bit of, a bit of everything, really. Um, and because and there I, was
0: no job for, uh, for no, a for Syrian PG.
1: No, it's not. It's not a very sought after uh, qualification. You know, I mean. Look, if you're a very dedicated PhD student, which I wasn't, I spent a lot of time watching YouTube videos and getting <laughs> high and, and you know, and just like I said, I was interested in, in, I was watching Bill Hicks and George Carlin and playing music and, you know, and I was, you know, I worked on my PhD, but I wasn't preparing to become an academic so I, I was a little bit i wasn't a good student you know right um, and if you're a good student you publish your papers and you do lots of conferences and when you finish you've got a good cv and maybe you'll get a, a postdoc or at least you'll get something you know and then eventually you get a postdoc but no i finished my phd i had no idea what to do and then i realized i really wanted to publish the the, the thesis i just felt like it it needed to be I wanted to put it out into the world. It felt terrible to me that it, you know, you write this, you spend so many years researching and then the thesis just sits in the library and no yeah. one really looks at it. And so I did that and I did it on my own time. And I, I, I think it was, uh, it was the only time in my whole life that I was on the dole. I think I was on, on, on the dole for about three months on, on empl- you know, employment benefits just to get mm-hmm. me by. Yeah, and yeah. uh, and I published a book and that was around about the same time that we started the Rap News Project. Um, right. Which was the beginning of the juice media YouTube channel yeah
0: how how did it feel to have people actually reading your thesis and reading your book like knowing that there's people actually you know caring and learning from uh, your research mm. was, did it feel oh, good?
1: it's it's fantastic i mean i, I don't know I, I feel like the books are very hard to get feedback. it's not like YouTube comments. people tell you in the comments whether they like your video or they don't like your video um books is is a bit harder there's been some reviews uh, academic reviews and they've been you know very positive And uh, and some readers write reviews, but it's hard to actually know what what people think. Um, But because I have a bit more of a public profile with the Juice Media lately, I have been receiving emails from people saying, you know, I saw your um, I saw your um, your videos, and then I went to the website and I learned that you've written this book. And I've been really a lot of people are interested in time. It's not surprising we all have an experience of time, and we it's a subject. That relates to all of us. So a lot of people have bought the book and some of them write to me and go, they really enjoyed it. But, um, yeah, it's just a fraction really, uh, of, of people. I don't, I don't know. I, I love it, but I, it's not like the YouTube videos where I, I know, and no. this is one of the reasons that I, I would never go back to, um, writing books is that I love the energy that you know when you when you publish something on youtube or you know whatever platform uh, you know you're working on um you get that you get that response and it feeds your work yeah, and you yeah, go yeah, and it just fuels you you want to do it again and again and it becomes like this addictive cycle but it's a positive addiction in the sense that you know i'm providing something people enjoy
0: it they tell me how much they enjoy it i yeah. do it again you know <laughs> yeah definitely which is a little bit against what happens in academia right where you don't seek for uh, the common people approval, it's more your peers. Uh, it's a bit different, right?
1: Look, it, it is different, and I'm not. I don't want to say that it's not. It, it's it, it's different. It's not better or worse. I think it depends on mm-hmm. what kind of a person you are. But you know, in the academic world, you you know you'll pump you'll. You'll presented at a conference you'll give a paper if it's a very good paper people will tell you about it you know you'll get you'll get that energy back from people if you publish uh, an article and it, and it and people read it which is it's not very usual most articles don't even get read you know so if people critique it or they um, or they compliment it it's it's wonderful but it's the numbers are pretty small it's only really until you you develop a pretty big academic profile that you start to get that same energy so it's right. very it's very elite like you have to be very very good to get that that kind of energy with your readers you know it's like it's very hard whereas i don't know with again I'm not saying it's easy to make youtube content it's not it's very hard yeah, but it's, very, it's a lot easier whatever you do to get a response from the people yeah, that watch you know yeah,
0: yeah yeah it's more accessible too right yeah uh, kind of everyone can do it so you're you right. just uh telling the story on how the juice media started and um, it started with the the rap news right uh, can yeah. you tell a little bit about this project?
1: Yeah. Um, so so um, Rap News was um, a show that I did in collaboration with Hugo, Hugo Farrant, who is a, a British-born rapper who migrated to Australia. Right about, right about the time that I, um, as I mentioned, that I would finished publishing the book and I was trying to decide what to do next. And um, and we got together and we shared a passion in, uh, in, you know, what was happening in the world, in politics, um, in music. We shared a lot of uh, common interests in literature and philosophy and humor as well. And um, yeah, it, it, basically we decided to make this show that was a news broadcast all delivered in rap. Hugo's a very good rapper. I'm not a rapper, but I had a lot of ideas and mm-hmm. he wanted to, 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 to collaborate. And so we, we put together this uh, outfit which ended up becoming quite a popular uh, show. It had developed like a cult following. Um, and um, yeah, it, it basically ran from 2009 to 2015. So six years. And we covered all sorts of, of topics. You know, we're focused a lot on US uh, policy, domestic and foreign policy, a lot on um, a bit of Australian politics, but not so much, uh, a lot of technology, a lot of the internet. So we were really focused a lot on um, you know uh, issues like in uh, the, the crypto wars, not, not cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. although that Kind of came into it. I mean, more like encryption, um, you know, and privacy, and the surveillance state, and the different laws that um, that were being introduced, like SOPA and uh, an ACTA, to try and um, you know really um, bring a surveillance state into the world of the internet. Um, and then, of course, the Snowden revelations and WikiLeaks. We focused a lot on WikiLeaks and we covered a lot of the... I think a lot of people learned about Julian Assange and WikiLeaks through some of our earliest rap news episodes, which focused on How that. How many
0: views would they have?
1: Um, they, um, I mean, they all have a bit different, but the ones that we made on WikiLeaks, you know, a good million views. That wow. was, you know, okay. um, the, kind of like the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Um, but most, vid- most of the videos that we made are probably like in the half a million you know on average
0: which views. is really good really really good yeah
1: i mean we 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 hadn't <laughs> we thought we were uh, doing something pretty i mean look also it's different to content you know there's a content that gets a lot more views than that but it's difficult to get um political content political satire um to get the same results in terms of views because it's not it's not it's not about gaming. It's not about you know pop culture or some you know gossip or things that you know attract the, the sort of the tween audience. You can get millions of views making pretty inane content. But if you yeah, want to make something true. that's a little bit more, a uh, little bit more intellectual or sophisticated,
0: you'd lose a lot of people. Um, and so for us, that was like pretty amazing. No, definitely, um, and I, I totally understand your point. I think it's much harder to make this kind of contents. Also, because sometimes they just get uh, blocked uh, or there's a lot of hatred yep. and people that don't like it. Uh, so it's really easy to get a bad rep- rep- reputation, get uh, down votes uh, or dislikes on uh, YouTube. So it's, it's not uh, easy. And the fact that you got with your first project to this amount of views, it's really something. Were you already uh, making a salary kind of out of this? Were you making money?
1: None of this really generated enough money. So, you know, Hugo had a job. um, He was teaching English. And as I said, I was doing odd jobs. And then around about this time, I got a job at university as well. So here, actually, I was... I, I was working on the side on another project, another history project that actually ended up getting me a a position as a as a research associate at the University of Melbourne so this was kind of me going back into academia and this is when I started actually earning a, a proper salary as a as a researcher and mm-hmm. um and so at that point I was doing my main job was university and YouTube was the the sort of the side job and you know we were getting a little bit of money at this point the main the main income was really
0: uh, from youtube itself they would pay you
1: no like you know when we started making youtube videos there was no ads like you couldn't even monetize content so that only started happening i can't remember now i'll probably get the wrong date but it may be like 2011 or something like that um and we were quite resistant towards that we didn't even want to monetize the videos because we didn't want to take ad revenue so we actually we actually didn't take ad revenue until like i don't know we, we we waited and even then it wasn't a lot you know it wasn't um a huge amount um no most of the income that we got was from people sending us one-off tips on on paypal right. they love the work right. that we did and we did that and eventually people convinced us to start a patreon channel um you know they were like this new platforms come out i think it was 2013 14 or 13 and they mm-hmm. said, you know, you should use Patreon. It was a new thing. And I was like, what the hell? Okay, sure, we'll we'll try it, you know. Uh, and we set up the Patreon. And um, I was so ignorant about how the platform worked that, <laughs> um, you know, we made videos. And then one day, after about a year that I started the Patreon channel, someone wrote to us and said, hey, you know, why aren't you posting any of this stuff to Patreon? Because if you don't post it to Patreon, you don't get paid. So we had like maybe a hundred people or something like that on Patreon. And because I wasn't actually uploading it to Patreon, we never got that money. So for the first year,
0: <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> really? know how to use I, the I platform. Did, I didn't know that too. I thought, the, you know, people just uh, pay you monthly, no matter what. Well
1: now, so now you have a monthly thing, but again, in the early days of Patreon, it was a per thing. So you had to upload uh... the thing, whether it was a picture or a video or whatever. Then they introduced a monthly uh, thing so right, you could choose right. whether to get paid monthly or or per thing, but um mm-hmm. yeah, for the first year we got nothing, so we were we really the the financial part of it was quite a uh, neglected part, but then what really changed all of that is that we were approached by Russia today, which is the um you know the 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 um, the global news channel that comes out of Russia out of Moscow. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, they really liked the work that we were doing probably because we were doing a lot of anti-US imperialism stuff. We were, you (laughs) know, that's really, that's what they're there for. It's, uh, you know, basically anti-US, uh, soft propaganda (laughs) and they liked what we were doing. Um, and they asked us if we would, um, they offered us a show on, 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 on their network and we said, no um we're not interested yeah. in you know we wanted to have our own independence and all that and they kept on asking us every time we made a really good video they were like oh can you know can we have a deal and eventually we agreed to do it and we negotiated a contract where we had complete editorial independence where they um would allow us to really? upload it to our youtube channel as well as them basically hmm. it was a it was a pretty uh generous deal on their part um and um, and they you know and I have to say for all the stereotypes of Russia Today and and whatnot and um, you know they were very respectful of our editorial independence. We en- we even ended up satirizing Putin and Russia Today itself. Yeah, exactly.
0: And, That's my question. Could you do that? Yeah. Was that okay? Yeah,
1: no, totally. I mean, the funniest story I think in the whole <laughs> thing super was. Scared. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we kind of knew that. If we did this if we if we um, signed up to work with Russia today, we had to satirize russia like before that we 've never said anything about Russia, not because we didn 't want like just because we were focusing on on the u s and and right, other issues, right. and uh, Russia had never really come into 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 our um, aim and now that we were associated with this channel, we were like okay we 're going to have to say something about russia and this was at the start of twenty 14, I think we we did the first episode in 2014 in January 2014, mm-hmm. and then in March 2014, Russia invaded Ukraine, which is interestingly is kind of what's about to happen again now. I don't know if you remember they invaded yeah. Crimea and they yeah. annexed no that anymore. that part, and uh, it was around about the same time as the Olympics in Sochi. So we did we did an episode in which we satirized Russia Today presenting the invasion of Crimea as just another event in the in the Winter Olympics. Like, no, 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 don't worry, it's not a war, it's not an invasion, <laughs> it's just another sporting event, don't worry about it, you know. And we had Putin in there, and we had a cameo from Abby Martin, who was, uh, at the time, and she's a US journalist, but she was an anchor for RT, and she came on. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, despite all of the stuff and taking the piss out of Putin and and Russia Today, they, they aired, not only did they not cancel the contract or tell us to change anything but they aired it on russia today which wow. i was like you know respect you know because definitely, it actually it's definitely. a show of strength if you can laugh at yourself it actually makes you stronger than if you try to censor and repress
0: yeah 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 and it's definitely not aligned with the news that we see coming from uh, uh russia right
1: yeah, and I should add that that is a very common thing in Russia. I'm not trying to say, you know, that that doesn't happen. That definitely happens, but it wasn't our experience. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, it was just a, it was a quite an eye-opening experience. Anyway, that was our income. So we started then earning an income from rap music.
0: How much were you making?
1: Oh gosh. Um I I don't remember the, the 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 amounts, but I I'll probably be very sketchy on amounts. I won't get into details on on okay, okay. on the actual figures. But um it was enough it was enough for us to. Um, well, it was enough for Hugo to quit his job, okay. and you know he had like a, a decent income for just to get him by. And then I was still working at the university, and eventually, I, this is around about the time that I was starting to think about you know maybe becoming a YouTuber, um, mm-hmm. and um, and so I I was doing a bit of of bit of both. Um, and so, it basically, allowed us to, um, to to feel like you know we were actually earning an income from from our creative work. But that was only after about three or four years that we'd been okay. working at it. Yeah.
0: Also, because you didn't focus on in money from the start, right? You're mostly focused on making content. Uh, you didn't. Well, there were no ads in the beginning, but you didn't focus too much. Right? It seems that these kind of deals came to you. And he said, oh, I absolutely, absolutely. Them,
1: right? You know, and this is the thing is like we were just so excited about being able to do this. Like it was a mm-hmm. – we felt that if people watched what we were doing and they loved it, that was already such a, a win, you know. we yeah, That in itself was just such a wonderful feeling. And then the fact that people were giving us, you know, tips on PayPal and a little bit on Patreon once we worked yeah. out how to use it, that was like a bonus. And then obviously eventually we realized, okay, we want to do this full-time we then then something changes then you go okay we didn't start off making this because we wanted to make money out of it but we really love doing this and we can't do it if we don't have an income because mm-hmm. it's very hard to do these things whilst you have a full-time
0: job you know all your How long does it take and, to, to make one video one of those uh revenues oh, it would
1: it it depends like some some would take us you know, uh, uh, three weeks, and others would take us three days. You know, it depends on mm. on on the topic, on on how urgent it how was. How inspiring you are yeah, as well! Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so once we got to that point, we we realized, yeah, no, we we do need to change how we think about this. We actually need to, you know, that's why the Russia Today offer was so. Um, we we considered it, even though we had reservations, and we negotiated a very specific contract. We were interested in it because it gave us a way of freeing us from, you know, yes. especially Hugo yeah. who mm-hmm. who was working as a teacher to free us from um, uh, from work. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was really important. No, nobody else, you know, no one here in Australia was interested in funding us. Our local broadcasting tv stations we were way too political way too edgy i think for right. you know the right. our local news news um not news but like you know tv stations here so
0: also because you're more it, focused in, in australia no or, or u.s
1: rap, rap news was was more focused on the u.s, US. but okay. everyone knew that we were based in australia yeah right.
0: mm-hmm. tell me about um the marketing on how, how did you get to you know, one million views, half a million views. Was it just posting the videos and waiting for the algorithm of YouTube to do its thing, or did you do some kind of marketing, some kind of advertising to to grow your channel? No,
1: no, no not not really. Um, you know, you, you said earlier these things came to us, and that's really how everything has unfolded. Um, and I'm not trying to say this is. This is the only way to do it, but in my experience, the only thing that I've put a lot of work into, like really, really worked hard at and really focused on 90%, 95% even, is just writing good content, is just making things Mm -hmm. that people want to see. And to me, it just seems so logical because… But
0: these are two different things, right? One thing is to write good content, the other thing is mm -hmm. writing things that people want to see, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So you can write really great content about the topic that no one wants to see,
1: right? Tiago, I would say that great content is is also something that people want to see. I, I would say that that includes that in the sense that you can write about uh, anything really, and there's there's a way to make it relevant to. You know, you can connect it, you can join the dots, um, you know, whether it's finance or or, or whether it's politics or whether it's history or whether it's, um, you know, fantasy. If you can connect it and make it relevant to people's lives and issues and interests, um, then it's great content, I I think, you know.
0: Definitely. And you can (laughs) see on YouTube as well, there's, you know, YouTubers of everything, Mm. you know, old swords or uh, recipes with only cheese. I don't know, very niche Things, yep. And then people have a lot of uh, a lot of yep. a, a lot of followership, a lot of viewing. So that's uh, that's, that's right. definitely true. I guess rap news ended, right? Why did it end? It
1: well, that project, as I said, started in two thousand and nine. We we wrapped it up in twenty fifteen, um, and probably the, the key reason was that it we that collaboration had had come to a natural. End. You know, mm. some collaborations uh, last for a long time. You look like, at look at Trey Stone, Matt Stone, and Trey Parker with South Park, and others are mm. less, uh, more short lived. Um, and you know, Hugo is um, he's a very talented artist and performer, and he wanted to do a lot more. Um, he wanted to do a lot more live performances. He wanted to. Do, he had a lot of ideas that he wanted to develop, and Rap News had become quite uh, a demanding. Uh, uh, project in itself. And I think, right. well, I don't think this is pretty much what, you know, what he expressed was that he wanted to be able to do, uh, other things. Um, and at the same time also, um, you know, we reached the end of our, um, partnership with RT. So we didn't have mm-hmm. that, that financial, um, input anymore. Um, and so those two things combined kind of brought the project to a, a natural end. I thought that I, could continue to make rap news. And I did make one more episode, uh, in 2016, um, about the, the, uh, 2016 election that Mm -hmm. uh, Donald Trump won. Um, and I used, I had other collaborators, um, But um, I realized after making, and and it was a very successful episode, people loved it, and I said, yeah, we'll we'll continue. But I I, I realized that that was a project that really was successful because of my collaboration with Hugo and what made it special Mm -hmm. was what we both brought to it. And I kind of felt like I was just trying to continue something. I I, I needed to be brave and I needed to try and do something else. You know, There was a temptation to kind of just stick with something just because it had worked, but I didn't want to ruin it. I didn't want to kill it. I wanted it to be there and sort of, you know, we ended on a on a high note, um, and mm-hmm. I thought I was still quite young, you know, I was early thirties or mid thirties at, at that point, and I thought, um, you know, I should try something else, and mm-hmm. uh, and that's and eventually the, the honest government ads is what the next project was.
0: So, how did the idea uh, came to be of the honest government ads? Sure. Well, I should mention that also
1: at the same time as our Russia Today funding finished and Rap News finished, I, um, you know, my uh, university um, contract came to an end and that's mm. when I decided um, that I didn't want to continue. I didn't want to, you know... Um, basically renew that and keep going in that world and i thought this is a this is a good chance to just make a break so i took six months off we um we did a live show in europe we were invited to perform a, a live rap news wow. show in europe in berlin at um at uh, a symposium which is all about um organized by hackers and uh and and crypto specialists it was all about you know investigative journalism and encryption it was a fascinating uh, scene and um, the rap news had captured a lot of that audience in Europe and especially in Germany around the, as I mentioned, around the digital rights and encryption movement, um, the Tor project and all that. And, um, yeah, and uh, so we took a bit of a, a break and uh, and had, had a bit of fun, travelled a little bit, and then I decided, um, you know, okay, what are we going to do now? And um, I tried a couple of different things and, you know, just sort of like, different types of videos, it was quite daunting. I was like, I don't know what else to do now. And then one day, just sitting with it and I remember a friend said to me, like, it's okay to just sit sit with it and 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 be okay with not knowing what's gonna happen next. You know, sometimes the brain, we we just we always need to know what's going to happen next and what's the plan right. and yeah, yeah. what am I doing today, tomorrow? What's the five-year plan? And we're very uncomfortable when we don't know. You know, you can sit with it for a day or two, but then you start to get quite anxious. Well, I did anyway. <laughs> and a friend told me just learn to just just see if you can just enjoy, not enjoy, but just just observe the feeling of what it's like not knowing. You know, and give give that give yourself a bit of time and space and and out of that time and space. Um, One day, I think um, Lucy and I were just... Lucy is my partner who does the voice for the Honest Government ads. Um, Mm -hmm. We were reading uh, reading an article. (laughs) Thanks. Um, I'll let her know. We were reading an article uh, about something that the Australian Government had done. They'd... um, you know, the, the Great Barrier Reef is under great um, danger um, mm-hmm. because of, of uh, climate change and increasing temperatures and the corals are bleaching. And basically, we're in the process here of killing this incredible um, uh, natural wonder, which is yeah. belongs to humanity. Yeah, it doesn't sad. belong to humanity. It belongs to... It's just part of this planet. And, um, and we were just so pissed off that the Australian government's response, because UNESCO had basically threatened to put the Great Barrier Reef under the, in, the list of endangered places due to climate change, and the Australian government protested against this and said, uh, you know, they petitioned UNESCO to, to, to remove Australia from this list of endangered spaces as if that was like a fix, you know. It, it didn't fix anything. All it did, it, it just covered it up. And we were so annoyed about this and we thought... Let's make uh, a, a spoof ad, you know, which is basically a tourist ad for the Great Barrier Reef. And we, mm-hmm. yeah, um, and, you know, it's basically visit Australia and, um, you know, we tell people about what's happening here. If the government is going to try and cover this up, we're going to try and make it known to people. And um, and the response was was fantastic. It was like... The rap news episodes that we'd done, people were like, loved it. And Mm -hmm. they loved the concept and they loved that it was rude. And they loved that it was, it didn't take any prisoners.
0: It was just said Mm. things really straight. It's the same kind of audience, right? Uh, From the, from the rap news.
1: No, it's look, there's an overlap. Um, and maybe this is something that if, if you have any YouTube listeners, this will be of interest, but I think it's quite a hard thing to do, to do a a popular show on on a YouTube channel, develop an audience. You know, we had about a hundred and something thousand subscribers with, with rap news, um, and a very dedicated and passionate audience. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's quite hard then to go, Hey everyone, we're going to stop making the thing that you love now, but um, don't leave, you know, we're going to do something else now. Yeah. Most people would say, just leave that channel, create a new channel, start from the beginning. And um, I just couldn't bring myself to do that. You know, I I just thought, I also I thought it's not necessary because the same ideas and political exactly, concepts yeah. and, and theories and ideas and humor are going to be a, cont- a continuous thread that people will still recognize. But... If you ask people this uh, our audience you know a few people who used to love rap news will tell you that yes they still watch the juice media and they love the honest government ads but quite a few will also say that they don't like you know the honest government ads and that they preferred rap news and so yeah. you know we would have naturally lost quite a few people who didn't who just didn't like and you know in the early days probably in the first year or even year and a half of making honest government ads I saw a lot of comments that people said, you know, this shit, this is shit. You know, what you were doing before was good. <laughs> this sucks. You suck. You know, people are so mean. Are yeah. You no, people know? are very mean. And, um, they and I just like had change. to learn. Yeah. I just had to learn to really just ignore those yeah. comments, you know, and sometimes if they were really persistent, I would, I would just, you know, hide them and go, oh, cool. Well, you know, I don't need, I don't need that energy. It's not helping me now. And you're not helping me to do what I need to do next. But, um, um yeah basically that that was only for the first year or so and then slowly the people who didn't like what we did just left and the people who liked it stayed and then we got mm-hmm. many more many more people coming and joining the channel anyway so but it was a very hard transition to make and um i don't would you do it again i don't or would you? yeah would no definitely one. but but only because like I said because I knew that it was I was continuing something you know that right. I, I didn't change the the heart and soul of it which was the the writing and the and the kind of humor and the, and the kind of sat satirical tone was the same but it was a completely different show it was a completely different delivery I mean rap news was very loud it was rap you know we had dope beats and like fantastic rhyming and 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 clever costumes and you know it was it was kind of out there was pretty crazy and and honest government ads is a completely different style of it's much more it's in a way it's a lot simpler it's a lot more straightforward Mm -hmm. um and so anyway you know what what was really at the heart of it stayed the same um, and so I feel like if that's the case, you can continue a channel. But if you're going to do something, if you, if you did a collaboration with one person and then you, if I'd done a collaboration with other people and I was going to have a different writers and all that, maybe I would have mm-hmm. thought, okay, let's just do a different channel so that we don't, so that it's can have a fresh yeah. start, you know? Yeah. Was
0: uh, Hugo okay uh, on you keeping the channel?
1: yeah I started the channel before we we even met, so it was always it was always my channel the, um yeah um no, that was never an issue yeah um and you know obviously it was part of our uh parting agreement that you know that i he was very encouraging oh, you can continue doing rap news and you know okay. and okay. doing that, and like I said, I thought I would actually continue doing that, but in the end mm. um
0: decided not to so one thing that I find really interesting from your uh, about video is that you said that. When you first started the Honest Government Ads, you gave it one year to try to Mm. get enough money to at least cover your expenses, which is a different approach than uh, uh, the rep news, because now you're thinking about money from the start. Maybe not only about money, obviously, but at least this was part of your goal. Um, Did this change uh, things, how you organize your videos, how you... Bland. Um did it change anything?
1: No, I don't no, I don't think so. Um because the reason that all of a sudden now I was thinking about money is that um I was a bit older and Lucy and I were expecting to have a baby, uh Luca, who is um he's now four. He was born mm. in, in twenty seventeen. So at the start of twenty seventeen, which by that stage we'd only made four or five honest government ads, uh we knew that we were going to have a child that we had to raise and uh, we, I have always been, you know, I said, if we're going to have children, we need to make sure that we've got our lives together. We need to be organized. We don't, right. we don't want to be, you know, we want to, if we're going to be bring a person into the world, we want to give them, um, you know, uh, a decent um, start in life, you know, yeah. which means not being under financial pressure or, you know, yeah, I mean, everyone's under financial pressure and uh, you know that didn't change but just not being broke you know and not being (laughs) just completely not having a clue what we're doing so when when i said um you know i gave myself a year to um to reach a certain level it wasn't like in a year we needed to be like you know smooth cruising i just wanted to cover our expenses so that i knew that i wasn't funding this project out of my own pocket and losing money so the year the one year deadline was um yeah what do you call it um A milestone was just to make enough money to cover our expenses, Um, and you know, if there was a little bit left over, great. You know, I wanted to be able to Mm -hmm. um, just make sure that it was financially viable. Um, But the first few episodes that we made, we you know we we made very little money, no money. We had a few people on Patreon, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was um, you know, it took it took it was about the first. Six months was like I knew that it was viable because the response that we were getting was really good, but um, but it needed you know I, and I, I didn't want to ask people for money. It was something that I'd, as I said before, I just wanted to make good content. And my experience had always been: you do good work, people come to you. People say, "I want to support you to do this," you know, um, and um, and I didn't want to I didn't want to um, ask people. But I, it was probably getting close to the one year mark. And we weren't breaking even. It was, it was still not, um, you know, getting there. And right. I remember writing a post saying, "Hey, um, you know, you've really loved watching these videos. Um, our, you know, the Facebook page has grown. We've got a hundred thousand people. The YouTube channel has grown. Uh, we've doubled our subscribers. Um, we've had, you know, we had, we've had viral videos. One of the videos that we made about the Standing Rock uh, protest against the Dakota Access Pipeline had over ten million views mm-hmm. on, on Facebook." Um, so many people are watching and sharing these videos, but we only have about, I can't remember now, uh, maybe 300 people on our Patreon, you know, or hmm. 200 people on our Patreon. I can't remember what it was. Um, or maybe it was even less. And, and these said, are people
0: that are paying monthly, right?
1: I th- No, I think at this stage it was per video. So per video. initially I made it per video, but I changed that uh, after a little while because I realized that, that part of the... I had to trust myself that you know I, that I deserve to have a monthly income mm-hmm. uh, rather than, you know, so I think a lot of people when they start with Patreon, they go, okay, well, I'm just going to test it out um, and I'll do a video. Um, and when I do a video, um, people can pay me, but, uh, you know, maybe in the next month I won't be inspired to make a video or a song or, or a picture or whatever. And I don't want, I feel bad people paying me. And I think that's fair. I think that's a good way to start on Patreon. But once you know that you've got, an audience and you've got a product uh, or something, uh, you know, uh, something that people like, I think you just need to take the plunge and go, I'm going to switch to monthly now. And, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm going to produce something every month. And if I don't, for some reason, I'll just explain to patrons that it's a little bit late or whatever, and you'll get paid anyway. And then maybe you do the video a week into the next month. And, you know, even now after five years, that still happens to us. Sometimes we don't get, we don't manage to get a video up before the end of the month. And I've just learned to accept that you know, you mm-hmm. need to respect your own time and, and effort. Uh, and right. if you do that, other people will as well. And we've n- we've never had a problem with doing the monthly mm-hmm. um, uh,
0: system. Right. Because also people on Patreon, what I feel is that they want to support you. Like, because they, they believe in your content and believe in you and in what you create. So they don't even care that much if you skip a month. Uh, of course, if, if you suddenly stop <coughs> producing videos they would, of yeah. course, scarce and maybe stop being a patron after a while. But if you skip mm-hmm. a month, they don't care too much because they want to support you. They want you to, to make sure that you are okay, that you are healthy, and that you can continue producing this content that they really appreciate. Yeah. Uh, it's something that it's changing a lot also in the internet. People in the beginning were thinking internet is free. Uh, we should either get it for free or download it for free. Uh, but now it's changing a little bit because people realize that there are no free lunches, right? So someone is paying for it. Uh, so it's better to pay directly to the people that uh, are creating the great content than maybe paying for ads. <laughs> so I think that's also a great uh, great way to think about it.
1: I agree. And you're probably right. But even as you say that, as a creator, I still feel, <laughs> even after all these years now, um, after you know it's been five years that we started the Honest Government Ads, I still feel very... Um, bad about not making a video one month, you know, and uh, the only reason if I do do it, I always make sure to tell patrons, you know, this is what we're doing. You know, we're having a month off, you know, um, and and people are fine as long as you explain that's what it is. But even now, mm-hmm. um, I we only really take about a month off, you know, um, and I always, even though sometimes I'm like, shit, it would be great to just like, not not just to unplug this month. I still right. feel that pressure to to produce and it's uh, in a way it's 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 you know you could say that maybe the patrons don't care but i think generally there's an understanding it's like you know as long as you you continue producing content we'll continue supporting you um and um if something comes up just explain it but there is an understanding that you are gonna that, that this is the the flip side of it is that it is you know um it is a demanding profession and you do have to keep up Um, Production. I I don't. I wouldn't. I think if if you don't if you don't approach it that way, uh, you risk also not creating enough momentum and enough interest because it needs to be a regular thing that you upload. And now we produce a video every month. That's very irregular uh, compared to most YouTubers who do a video every week, or sometimes they do three videos a week, or sometimes they do a video every day. That's crazy. Um, But one video a month is kind of um, quite unusual, especially because they're short videos. Mm -hmm. So if you look at, like, for example, there's some great YouTubers who are similar content to us, like um, Harry Bomberguy and Philosophy Tube. Um, They do, like, long-form videos that might be, like, 30 minutes long, 40 minutes, sometimes even 50 minutes long, like ContraPoints as well. Um, And they only do a video every one or two or three or four months, you know. Um, and they and they're very successful on Patreon. Patreon because they've cultivated this new thing of like, no, nah, we're not going to do something every day or every week. We'll do it three times a year, but or five times a year. But when you get it, it will be amazing. You know, it'll be really good. And that mm-hmm. model works really well. So there are many different ways of doing it. Um, and I think ours is a bit unusual because it's only once a month and it's only about a three or four minute long video. So again, you can do it that way. There's no fixed way of doing it um but i think what does make it successful is just being whatever it is that you do make sure that your patrons know that that's what you're doing so they know what to expect and then you try and stick to that rhythm whatever that rhythm is that works for you
0: yeah yeah no ma- makes all sense i'm just uh it's also important not to feel i guess trapped that you need to yeah. do it even though you, you sometimes you don't feel like it um does this happen to you that you be like, okay, I don't have anything in particular to speak about, but let's just create something because I I have to do it. It happens very
1: rarely. Um, usually it's the opposite problem. It's like, f- there's so much shit. <laughs> what do we, what do we do? Like, usually that's, I don't think I've ever had the problem of like, I don't know what to say. It's sometimes it can, um, it can be uh, almost paralyzing because there are so many things to talk about. And, you feel like if you talk about one thing you're missing out on another thing and so that can be that can sometimes be quite difficult because what happens is you spend you know you've got a month to make a video and you spend the two first two weeks (laughs) just trying to decide what to make it on and then you start writing it and by the time you've written it you've only got a week to film it edit it and upload it you know so sometimes that can be a bit uh, a bit pressure but no i've never had i've never had like uh I've got nothing to talk about this uh, this month, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, because with the content that we cover, it'd be great if there was no climate crisis, <laughs> no, no corruption, no. Yeah. You know, if there was like, oh,
0: there's no problems to talk about. I would love that. It's great that you have a lot of things to, to talk about, um, and that you're passionate about it. Um, after after a month, uh, after a year, then you you asked your um, subscribers to start helping you out because you were still not making uh the cut uh, budget wise did they come through yeah
1: look i think a lot of people responded and said hey thanks for letting us know because you know if you don't ask sometimes you don't you don't receive and i like i said i wasn't used to asking uh, yeah. it, it had always been something that had happened naturally and um and on this occasion for whatever reason it felt like the amount of support was not proportional to the amount of views and interest that the show was getting, and I later realized that the way that it was produced looked like it was quite a professional um, definitely, definitely project. Yeah. And um, I think a lot of people, well, a lot of people said, you know, they thought it was quite a, um, you know, it already had funding because obviously it looks so professional and must be like there must be a lot of money behind this. And I realized that people just didn't know that we filmed the videos in our lounge room. Uh, you know, we literally had to move the furniture out the way to um, to 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 put the green screen up and the, and and yeah. the, and and the camera and and have the actor and and all that. And um, you know, it was all done in our in our in our home. And. Um, um, people didn't know that. And so that's where I started to make these end of year videos, which, um, which I think you've, you've seen where I kind of explained who we are, you know, this is what I'm doing. Um, I explained how I decided to leave academia in order to do this work and, um, and how I'd given myself this, this timeline. I introduced Lucy, I introduced uh, our actors. I introduced a little bit of the bit of some bloopers and and behind the scenes stuff. And people started to get the sense and, you know, they all, a lot of people in the comments were like, yeah. wow, I didn't realize this was like a family project. And that really changed things. Like people really started to support mm-hmm. us um, in, in, um, in, in that regard.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I totally understand that because when I first saw the, the, the movies you made, they seemed like a huge production, you know um and then i think it was also the, the me watching you your blooper videos that also got me to be become a patron because you know it's it's uh you are doing from your living room or something it's very very interesting and i think that's also a great tip for um other youtubers uh if you want people to support you to support your project give give them a little bit of the behind the scenes uh show them that there's humans behind it and that uh, and that probably will uh, help empathize more with uh, with you and your project.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And look, I think, you know, before you asked if there was any marketing or anything like that, uh, and now that I think about it, that's probably the, the only marketing that we did <laughs> was just to tell people about us so that there was that people knew who what the human story was behind it. It's almost a cliche, like, you know, this is like you often hear about it, oh, you need to, you know, people need to know know about this kind of stuff and and um and it, it's true, you know. Otherwise, people just assume that you're fine, you know. Like you said, um, you know, everything isn't isn't. There's a realization now that you know, if you do want quality original content, um, it has to be supported by by the audience because right, often this right. content doesn't make it onto TV. There's no way mm-hmm. that we could uh, have a TV show with the kind of political statements that we make. And yeah, I don't even yeah. want, like a lot of people go, Oh, have you ever thought about pitching it to the, you know, to the ABC, which is a, uh, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, mm-hmm. or have you thought about pitching it to Comedy Central? And I'm like, no, no, I haven't because why, why, why yeah, would I want any, no any sort of limitations on, yeah. on what we can say and, and how we say it. And, um, and yeah, the only catch is that you need your audience to support you if you, if you want to do that.
0: Yeah, but it's <laughs> also good because it's spread out throughout multiple people, right? So one, one or two people might stop supporting you, but that won't make a dent, right? Whereas if you're selling your show to ABC, for instance, uh, if they stop, then you have all of your source of income is, is gone and this, out, this uh, yeah. way this way somehow more distributed unless you just do a yeah. really you know fuck up video and then everyone's yeah. like okay unsubscribe but that's yeah. very unlikely right
1: yeah yeah maybe not even one you'd have to make a few <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you ho- you would we hope uh, I mean, that's really what i tell bad, myself yeah but it's i try and i try to never make a shit video because i don't want to test that theory i don't want to know how many you need to make but um but look that's exactly what happened with russia today when when that contract yeah. came to an end and they said yeah we're not going to renew it anymore it, it really felt like 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 now and it and, and like I said that was one of the the two reasons that we ended that show is that we you know we didn't have that funding, and because we hadn't developed prote- um, Patreon, um, like I said we didn't even know how to use it. But even if we had known how to use it, it wouldn't have been enough at that point. Although, had we put more effort into it, had we invested time into making Patreon more of a thing, when Russia Today said. Um, uh, we're not going to re- renew a contract, we could have gone, well, that's okay. We've been preparing our Patreon channel and we're fine, but we didn't mm-hmm. do that. Uh, and so, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Uh, we lost our funding and and then combined with, you know, also the way that our collaboration was going generally, that kind of that ended the show. The project, but um with something like this, where it's much more solid, much more safe um you know that doesn't rely on uh, on a contract ending mm-hmm. uh, but the other thing that 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 is different is like you know when you have a contract with a TV station or or something like that, you can say one thing uh, it's not even a bad episode, you can say the wrong word about the wrong person exactly, and that yeah. person mm-hmm. is powerful and influential, and they'll complain to the the government and the government will. You know, you won't hear it, you won't see it publicly, but behind the scenes that show gets axed, you know, and that's happened to quite a few um, political satire shows here in mm-hmm. Australia that have tried to be too, have dared to be too um, uh, loud and a little bit too right, um, edgy right. and, and provocative, and they just disappear within a year, you know, that mm-hmm. that that happens, yeah. There was a very yeah. good show here called Tonightly um, with Tom Ballard, and um, yeah, it got axed after a year because... Uh, because somebody on there called a politician a cunt, uh, you might have to bleep that on your show. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's and that okay. didn't go down well, and uh, and they they axed it. We say yeah. cunt a lot on the honest government ads, and we have never been axed, you know. And that just shows,
0: even though uh, YouTube you know, might uh, might yeah. um, not like that too much, right? I YouTube, don't even care. No, yeah. Like we, we still put it on. Like we don't even like. I've bleeped it out a couple
1: of times, but it's not because of the YouTube ads. Sometimes I just do it because you know I, I I'm getting a. a I, sometimes people complain about the language that we use, and so I thought, okay, we'll yeah. start doing that. But um, <laughs> but I, I haven't bleeped it up, and and YouTube has never picked us up for for that. Right. Um, I don't know why, but even if yeah. they do, I, I don't 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 really care that much. Yeah, we still swear quite a lot in the videos, and we don't bleep mm-hmm.
0: it out. Yeah, and I I think that's the beauty the beauty of this new movement of with patrons and people supporting you. You get to get to be yourself, and I think that's that's really important, um, especially nowadays with a lot of the media being controlled. Uh, it's it's really great to have, uh, your, uh, your videos. So I guess after that, it was only, um, getting more patrons, getting more views. Uh, it's been, uh, more than five years since you started the honest government ads, right?
1: Yeah. So the first one was in May, 2016. So it's five and a half years now. Yeah. And, uh, look, a lot of things happened a lot along the way that helped us to grow. Um, you know, I mentioned already, um, talking about who we are and letting people know about um, what we do uh, asking for for help um, which I only really did in the in that in that first year mm-hmm. um, but then the next thing that happened that really took us to the next level was that um, the government the Australian government complained um, to us about using their logo yeah, and yeah, impersonating yeah. them mm-hmm. and um, and I immediately knew that this was a wonderful <laughs> wonderful thing that had happened because um, you know it meant that the government was was watching the videos. And um, and so we made... Because they sent us an email saying, you know, um, it's come to our, our attention. Logo. Yeah, it's come to our attention that you're making these videos. We're concerned that they could be confused for real ads and can you stop using the logo? And I thought, this is ridiculous. How could, you know, how could... If anyone thinks that what we're making are real, are real government ads, <laughs> what does it say about this government? It must be a very shit government <laughs> if you can't tell the difference between <laughs> the real policy and the satire. Uh, and so we made a video... In which we impersonate the government, um, telling the people of Australia not to impersonate the government, uh, which I thought was very meta, and I probably still one of my favourite episodes. <laughs> and that, and then at the end of that video, the, the Australian government that we impersonate tells people, "Don't support these people on Patreon. They're bad people. They're trying to break the law, you know." Um, and they're trying to, and, and that of course people love that here in Australia. There's this real sense that. You know, as soon as you tell somebody not to do something, They'd everyone's do like, "Great, yeah. let's pay them to do that." <laughs> you know, um, and so that kicked kicked us into another I- into another level of growth. And by this stage, I think we probably were close mm. to a thousand patrons. Wow! Um, and then from that point on, you know, I just it it was just such a validation and such a, a such a strong feeling of like, wow. I've really got to do this now. Like, even talking about it now, it makes me want to sit down and write an honest government (laughs) ad because I go, it's such a beautiful feeling working so hard for so long and dreaming about having something where you can work and have people supporting you for it. And then when it actually happens, you kind of have to pinch yourself and go, wow, is this really happening now? You know? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, I better not fuck it up, you know? And so every time I went down to write an honest government ad, it was always like, how can I make this better? How can I? how can i surprise people how can we introduce something different you know it's small things but something to you know mix it up and um and every time we did that it wasn't every time every video like some videos were good but maybe not the best but every now and then we just nail it and we would get a whole bunch of new patrons and people would love it and get shared and then you know and that, then that creates a snowball effect where we 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 grew you know
0: Definitely, definitely. I think you have uh, a great momentum going now and uh, you make great content. And I think that's that's what you say. When you make great content, people will just follow. Um, So in that sense, I think you're completely right. I I would just
1: say on that, because I think a lot of people spend a lot of time and effort thinking, how can I, you know, how can I? get more views um and they read articles about how you can you know make a better thumbnail or choose a better title or have better tags or have better this or better that and uh, all of those things help and they're very important but they they only really help if the content is good you can't you can't make you know in fact people hate it when it's a shit video but you've got a fantastic thumbnail it's like clickbait you know yeah true true Uh, you know um you see that quite a lot um And um, now they've taken away the dislike button so, you know, you can get away with it more. But before you'd see these videos and you click on them, it's like, you know, all dislikes and no likes because someone had used a a shitty great thumbnail for a a terrible video. Um, So, yeah, I I think all of those things are important. Those customizations um, are great, but I would say put 95% of your effort into writing content that you love, that people mm-hmm. will find interesting. It's well-written. If it's comedy, obviously it's got to be funny, but it doesn't have to be comedy. Whatever it is, you know, just making it click and just kind of going really kind of connecting and for me, the thing that really inspires me is like, again, I say it, I always say it as this feeling of like, we live in these historic times, let's talk about what's happening. There are so many people that are interested in understanding what's going on, why the fuck that these things are going, like obviously things aren't going right. People want to understand, people are hungry for knowledge, people really want honesty. Uh, we're tired of being lied to, we're tired of being tricked and delayed and denied and all of this sort of shit. I'm mean, talking specifically about climate, but it, you can apply that yep, to so yep. many different things. And so for me, when I say good content, there's like, let's talk about that, you know, let's make, help people to understand that. It. So it's fun, but it's also useful. I think good content is entertaining, but it's also provides something that people really need, you know? Uh, and so obviously some people want to know how to cut cheese with a sword, like like a medieval sword, <laughs> like you said. <laughs> And that thats you know—if there's an audience for that, great. But um, yeah, in 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 my case, and I think maybe a lot of people listening uh, are thinking, oh, you know, great, you know, that's a good way of thinking about how to approach this. Let me stop wasting time going to workshops about how to customize a thumbnail, and let me actually sit down, maybe with a glass of wine or lighter joint or whatever it is that you need to kind of like tap into that space mm-hmm. and try and really connect with this moment of history that we're in. Because if you can do that. People are gonna. People are gonna find it a value, and if you can keep doing it, people will support you.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think th- those are truly uh, inspiring words, and I hope that the listeners here will uh, get that and get inspired to create content to to change the world for the better. That's what I also appreciate. That I appreciate that from uh, entrepreneurs as well as yourself, creating things that actually making the world a better place, and I, I find that super inspiring. Either you're doing that on uh, youtube you're doing that with a startup whatever just the fact that you're thinking on making the world a better place it's it's already something that really really inspires me and um Giordano, it's i think we could talk for hours you're such an interesting person to talk to you have so many interesting things so um down to earth as well i think you and your family thats so so nice because you see such a you know such a big channel right uh, and I always get a friend, okay, and I want to speak with them, but I, I always think that they won't take the time because they're too busy. And the fact that you did, it's really, really amazing. So thank you. Thank you very much. Um, before, before we close, I just have one quick question, a, a curiosity of mine. Um, so Lucy, uh, your, your partner, she does the, the vocals for all the actors, right? Uh, why? Why did you decide to do this? Why is there like one voice uh, for all uh, the different personas,
1: yeah, it's a question that we get a lot, um, yeah, I and <laughs> um, it, yeah, I, I explain it uh, in um, in the podcast. So the Juice Media podcast. Uh, this is something that I haven't spoken about, but one of the things that really helped the channel to grow mm. is to expand. So we did the honest government ads, but then I realized that you know I had a lot more things that I wanted to talk about around each episode, and so. Um, I created the podcast about two years ago. And so every time we do an honest government ad, then we have the podcast. And that really helped to, again, expand our audience and, and get more people to to support us. So that's another thing, you know, that people might want to think about is that once you do mm-hmm. have th- a project going, mm-hmm. it's nice to think, well, how can I add something, you know, that sort of sits on the side, you know. Um, right. And in episode two of the podcast, um, I talk about this, Lucy and I did the podcast together and we addressed some of the questions that we often get and this was one of them. And um, look, it wasn't something that we planned out. Um, like we didn't sort of go, oh, this is this is why we're going to do it. Um, I Now in retrospect, there are a lot of benefits to doing it this way but the reason we started doing it is that when we were doing Rap News, um uh, you know, Hugo was the rapper and he did all the voices for all the characters. But when we had female characters, which usually he impersonated as well um, on, on, on video, we wanted to um, use a female voice. So Hugo and Lucy would work on the raps together and I would, you know, Lucy is my partner and so we live together. And so we were like, oh, we need a female voice. Lucy, can you come and do it, you know? And we would just yeah. drag her in and she'd be like, no, really? I, I mm-hmm. don't, can I? I don't, I don't know how to do it. And we're like, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine, you know. And so we got her involved. Um, and so from the start, Hugo was miming Lucy's words when we were doing female characters. Not every character. Some characters did the female voices, but when we, for some characters he did it. And uh, so that was the method that we perfected. And Rap News itself is all mimed. So we would record the rap in the studio right. to get that good vocal quality. Cause you can't rap on a lapel mic or a boom mic. You need to be close to the microphone. You need to have a condenser mic, a uh, vocal mic, and you need to be in a little booth, you know, to mm-hmm. get that good rap. You know, you get it, you got to get it r- properly compressed and everything. Um, and so then, when you film it, you, you're miming to the to the audio. So that's how we learned how to make videos. I'm not a video maker. We just, we just did this because that's how rap news worked. I don't know how to do anything else. I don't even own a boom mic or a lapel mic. So I don't even know how to record actors' voices as they act. <laughs> so that's how it started. But then we realized that actually this worked very well for the Honest Government ads. Okay, two reasons. One, because Lucy's voice uh, is actually great. Like she's got yeah, this really definitely. nice tone of voice and, um, and she, you know, as, as, as she, she, I call her a voice actor, but this is, this is what she does. She does, she doesn't do it professionally. Um, and uh, it just suits the the tone perfectly. Um, and uh, the other advantage is that because we live together, I can, you know, whenever we have uh, time, we can lay down the vocals. I don't need to get the actor to come in. And then if we need to change something, I need to get the actor to come back. But then the third reason that that really works well this way is that when you when you're watching commercials, the audio is very fast. They generally tend to be quite snappy and fast. And the way that I edit them is, um, you know, Lucy will say, "Hello, I'm from the Australian government," and then we'll do a separate take where she says, uh, "Here, uh, you know, um, uh, in today's, uh, I'm, I'm just making this up now, but like, you know, mm-hmm. in, in today's episode, we're going to talk about this new policy that we've um, that we've come up with, introducing the, you know, whatever policy, you know." And you take those three different takes and, inst- and you take out the breaths in between them and you sort of overlap them so that as one is finishing, as you hear the end of, hello, I'm from the Australian government, the next one starts. And so yeah. you start to get this really strong feeling of momentum, which feels like an ad. And you can't do that if you're mm-hmm. filming an actor uh, saying the lines to screen because you can't cut. You can't cut out breaths and you can't cut out things from the video you would notice it you know Um, but you can you can manipulate the audio you can cut out the breaths you can edit it together so that it's nice and tight and then when you film the actor they just have to do that snippet and then you film them doing the next line and then you edit it all together and if it's done properly and you know Mm -hmm. decent continuity it actually flows everything feels very much tighter and quicker um and and uh, and also the vocal quality sounds better um as i explained before because we've recorded the audio in a booth so all of those things uh, combined is why we did it and then why we continued doing it I was like well it works people like this voice you know it suits the the style of the of, of the videos and it's lovely also having Lucy you know Lucy involved it feels like you know that's a real family project yeah, so mm-hmm. and the actors you know everyone we all accept that none of us has a a complete role like i write the videos but i'm not in them lucy does the voice but she's not in them the voices the actors are in them but it's not their voice so it feels like it's a real kind of um uh, i i don't know what you want to call it like postmodern pastiche weird thing and um but ultimately it works and if it works, don't don't fuck with it. No. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, the, I don't know what it is, but it definitely works. It gives you like a special effect. Um, maybe that's also what you explained, but I don't know. It's it's really interesting. It it makes it a little more catchy, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, yeah. I think uh, I I I was curious about why, but I, I totally. Yeah, uh, agree that. And it look, sometimes really
1: nice. sometimes it doesn't work great because sometimes you you notice that uh, you know that um, yeah, that but it's funny uh, that it's, it's it, I like it yeah, about it. yeah, it's funny. Some people don't don't like it. Some people find it distracting, mm. and um, you know it's that's it. I think some people's eyes, are, um, brains are more sensitive to that than others, um, and um, yeah, so you know. Some people don't. We've had some feedback about that, but majority of people love it and 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 it works really well in terms of our workflow as well. So, you know, the other thing is like if sometimes we need to change a line, I don't need to get the actor back in and put the green screen up. We've got to refilm that whole thing. Right, I just right. get Lucy, she's in the other room. I'm like, hey, Lou, can you come in and just do this line? And in, in five minutes we can fix a problem instead of having mm-hmm. to book the actor to come back in,
0: you know. Maybe also a, a good tip for other uh, YouTubers. Because <laughs> yeah. it's the first time I've seen the channel doing this. Um, so maybe it could be a pioneer in that area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or maybe we'll be the last one because everyone's like, yeah, no, nah, that's not,
1: you know. I think if you've got a budget and you've got a team, it's probably a different story, you know. Like mm-hmm. if you've got someone taking care of the audio, you know, maybe we could do it differently. But yeah. this is all just done on our own. And I'm not a professional video maker. I've just... Learned but you do. You like do along. have. Uh,
0: it's really. Even though you you say you're not a professional, it does look like a professional work. Uh, with well, all the effects yeah. you do, <laughs> it's really, really amazing. Uh, did you learn all of this on YouTube too? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, Rap News. When we started, if you look at the first episode of Rap News, it's terrible. Like, it's really bad. <laughs> like, it's not properly lit. The camera doesn't even hold still; it wobbles because we're on a carpet. And and when Hugo's moving around, that you can see it moving, and the lights are moving. And I, like, we it was terrible. I didn't even know how to move things horizontally or re- scale things. You know, <laughs> so every episode of Rap News that I edited um, was like a learning process, and it was. It was really hard, you know, learning how to um, uh, key, you know, how to use a green screen and how to light things properly. We didn't even know how to do the white balance on the camera until like episode eight and someone said, hey, in a comment, there was like you should really use the white balance because everything looks yellow. Um, Yeah, (laughs) So like, you know, I wouldn't recommend doing it like this. I think maybe, you know, getting someone who can teach you how to do these things is a better way to do it. But nah, you always um, have to start like this. That,
0: you know, I mean, if your first episode yeah, was amazing, then you just release it too yeah. late. <laughs> That's yeah,
1: That's what yeah. they say, But right? you see, again, because the content was good, it didn't matter. These exactly. things really yeah. didn't matter. People actually thought it was funny that it was such good content, like good writing, and it was relevant, and it was funny, mm-hmm. and it just looked like shit. <laughs> so, yeah. people, people liked it. I think the one thing you can't can't be shit is the audio it's got to be good audio thankfully that's you remember at the start when i told you i was when i was doing my phd i was watching a lot of youtube videos and and playing music um that came in handy because the i you know i had a little recording studio on my computer and i used to write and record music and so i had i I, that was one thing i did know how to do i spent a lot of time learning that from forums so i had a good mic and a good preamp and a good sound card and i knew how Mm -hmm. to get a good vocal take you know um, and that really came in handy for rap news and the yeah,
0: honest government yeah. ads. Yeah, it's funny how things we learn in the past, yeah, uh, that we think they are completely unrelated and we'll never use it, then they come uh, in the future, come in handy. In in this case, for this project, and the same happened to me as well. I uh, I'm I love music. And I like to play a little bit with it, and because I was, I learned a little bit when I was playing around with it. Now I can also use it for my podcast, for instance. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. interesting how things you learn can always be um, useful in the in the future. That's um, right, absolutely. Yeah,
1: it's beautiful. It's a, it's quite a, <laughs> it's quite a, a fun journey, and uh, yeah, I obviously it's also a very privileged uh, journey to be on because so many people don't have the opportunity to. To, to, you know to have the experience of learning these skills. Um, and so obviously I always recognize also that you know it's also very fortunate mm-hmm. um, to to be in that position. but absolutely um, uh, it's all about how do you then put those things to use. and you know this is part of the reason of part of the way we try to do all of this is to give something back and to Definitely. sort of make ourselves Definitely. useful, you know or if at least you, not make things worse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you could leave one uh, last message to the listeners here, uh, connected with the mission of your, of your project, what you're trying to transmit, um, would you advise something for people, maybe to be more uh, aware, uh, maybe to try to question things, um, some mentality hack or, or something? Would, would you like to have something to say for, for the listeners as a last note?
1: i think for me you know personally what what the the thought that i always come back to and sometimes it's easy to kind of get a bit lost and go what am i doing what am i trying to do here and it it all it all i always remind myself to come back to the to that original thought that is kind of the spark and and the the rock that sort of gives me a point of reference which for me is what are we doing here you know what is happening like not just like oh, you know What's the news? But actually, what is the story that we're living out? Um, How do we want this to go? You know, we are, it's such, it's, yeah, it's, it's such a historic time that we're in. It's, there's, the the decisions that we make this decade collectively will define humanity. For for the rest of humanity the, mm-hmm. on, on the on this planet, uh, every single person alive today has the the burden and the responsibility, but also the privilege of of deciding how how the story is going to go, uh, and it's going to be decided this decade because because of the climate crisis. There's no, you know, what we decide this decade will determine the following decades, and so people Definitely. don't don't realize this, and that is such an, a crazy thing to not realize, yeah. and so. If you can just help people to understand where we are now, what the stakes are, how important it is to be aware and to tune in and to play a part and do whatever you can. It doesn't, you know, as Greta said, when I interviewed her on the podcast, just do whatever, whatever, you know, whatever it is that you can, you know, it can be, it can be anything. It can be journalism. It can be activism. It can be getting to law. It can be, be um, you know, support people who are work who, who are doing the work, uh, volunteer, you know, it it, it could be, you know, getting into politics, running for a political office in your local council or state or, or, or whatever. Um, you know, it's just, it's basically standing up and being counted in this time mm-hmm. so that we can, as history is happening, we can take charge of that and decide where this journey goes next. Mm. And, you know, for those of, of us who have children, who are thinking of having children, it's really about giving them the opportunity to, to have that chance to take the next steps whether it's you know going traveling into space or whether it's uh, about solving problems here on earth um if we don't fix this problem now mm-hmm. uh this decade they won't fix they won't have a chance to address those challenges Definitely. and Definitely. there are obviously a lot of challenges you know racism uh, there are a lot of problems that we need to fix but we won't fix any of them if we don't get this decade right so mm-hmm. yeah that that's what it, all, what it always comes back down to is what are we what is happening right now and getting people to not only to pay attention but also to care about
0: it. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think those are very very nice words to finish our episode here, Giordano. Thank you so much. I will uh, link your uh, podcast, uh, Juice Media your Twitter account, uh, your Instagram, anything you want me to link, really, I will link it in the description, the show notes of this episode. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.
1: Thank you, Tiago. It was a r- real pleasure as well. Um, r- thanks for supporting us on Patreon. I really appreciate that. Oh, um, and, uh, and thank you for the work that you're doing with this podcast, which I think is also very, very valuable and very important. And I wish you all the best. Um, keep at it. And, you know, it's, uh, I'm really glad that you're enjoying it as well um, as, as providing something useful. So thank you for all the work that you do.
0: Thank you, Giordano. And now for the listeners, if you are an entrepreneur and want to learn more from others in their own journeys, make sure to check out my previous interviews. There's a lot to learn from. So just go to wannabe-entrepreneur.com and you can find everything there. Besides that, if you want to support this podcast, make sure to share it around and you can buy me a coffee or become a supporter. All the information will be in the the description of today's episode this was another wannabe entrepreneur see you next time